It is 25 minutes to 12 o'clock. My name is Amy McIver in for Clarence Ford this morning and again tomorrow morning. So enjoying my time with you. In fact, I can't believe that two and a half hours has absolutely flown by. Uh, I would encourage you to please keep your calls and messages coming. What did you think about that conversation I had about the older person's grant? I found it absolutely heartbreaking and I can only imagine how many people out there are in this situation. I wondered whether you have a senior citizen in your life that you are having to subsidize because the old person's grant just isn't adequate enough and sometimes in some cases it is just so very difficult for people to access. If so, let me know 021-446-0567-072-567-1567. We're going to end this show now talking about something completely different and that is abundance at work. Uh, Today we are going to be talking about abundance in life and abundance at work. Work is not apart from life. Work is part of life. And our favorite futurist, Dr. Rose Phillips, joins us now to share some of her blog posts and help illustrate how one can think about and apply abundance in our professional and personal lives. Good morning, Dr. Rose. Lovely to talk to you again. Hello, Amy. Hello, listeners. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's start right away. And I know your blog posts are quite personal stories, but they have a message. Yes, they do. And I'm I'm hoping that the messages are good on this particular morning, given that uh, specifically our Cape Tonian listeners are trying to get the stink out of their noses. So (laughs) hopefully this um, takes the mind off and distracts a little bit. But yeah, they are. And, And for me, words are the clothes that our thoughts wear. And um, so these blogs are all about abundance at work, but also abundance in life. And I chose a few of them to illustrate how I think about it. And the ones that I selected are along the themes of either human potential or relationships or or well-being. Now, those who are listening now and are following me on LinkedIn, they might find some of them familiar, but um, it always helps to listen to them again. And we'll see, given that we are running short of time, how many we get through, Amy. But they are short. Um, You know, I chose to be on radio because I think some of these topics uh, need to go beyond the boardroom into broader society because I think it applies to all of us. So I'm really quite keen to hear the reaction of our listeners. But don't worry, everyone. It's not an academic paper. They really are meant to be quite lighthearted stabs at abundance-related topics in a way that I hope will relate to many. Now, I know that this is something that you do every second week on Cape Talk, and usually we have a lot more time. So Waleed's told me that you very kindly offered to do a part two if we don't have time to finish the whole conversation today. So thank you very much for that, Dr. Rose. But let's just start right at the beginning. Human potential. Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, so it's a, it's a very good place to start, actually. And I've got three blogs, let's see how far we go, to share about how we stifle human potential and, and how we can unlock it, quite frankly. And so the first one I call display cabinets. So here we go. Display cabinets, and I'm sure everybody is familiar with them, they come in all shapes and sizes. My grandmother had one. My mother has one. Now, some, of course, are quite ornate and some much more simple, but one thing they all have in common. These cabinets are where all the beautiful crockery and the ornaments go on display. And you really know that a possession is prized when it has pride of place in the display cabinet. It rarely or ever gets used, except on special occasions when an aunt or a neighbor or the church deacon or the church sisters need to be impressed. 
And then there's this beautiful story woven around how your great-great-great-grandmother smuggled it across borders under her petticoats. Or there's some other really awe-inspiring story, all of which designed to signify how proud you are of its acquisition and how proud you are of its exquisite value. Now, what does that have to do with abundance at work and, and abundance at home or abundance in life? Sometimes we treat our most talented employees like beautiful ornaments, beautiful ornaments in display cabinets. We're proud to have acquired these services. We even brag about the poaching war we won to sign them on. But once they're inside the business, we put them in display cabinets. We never give them a chance to be their best selves, to unlock their abundance, to contribute their genius to the organization. And so having gone to all the trouble of recruiting them for their capabilities, we choose to do all the thinking for them. And here's the point. Please don't turn your talent into souvenirs. They are not ornaments. There are few things worse than being employed yet unemployed. Mm. That's a very powerful message, Dr. Rose. Thank you. What about the second one on human potential? Yeah, so this one I call Spaces for Dignity. And it really, I mean, in fact, you were just talking about the older person's grant and and somebody phoned in and spoke about how just having that money provides so much dignity. So this one I call Spaces for Dignity, and actually it's a throwback to some of the fingerprints of COVID that still is amongst us. So here goes this one. How we use and how we view our office space since COVID does bear reflection. And I write this down because I really am still reflecting on the fingerprints of COVID. Where you rank in the organizational hierarchy, determine then where you get to sit in the office building. The top floor reserved for the C-suite, the corner office, the preserve of the CEO, with his office assistant or assistants stationed at the door, acting both as executive assistants and actually as security guards. Even reference to climbing corporate ladders and reference to glass ceilings borrow their reference to reaching the top floor. Where one ranks in the organizational hierarchy, even determined where you get to sit at the boardroom, any other table for that matter, rank became synonymous with status, rank became synonymous with value to the organization. And then, of course, COVID came and space was redefined. And the now pervasive online meetings ever since COVID, we still do it, it hasn't left us, whether it's Teams or whether it's Google Meet or any other platform we use, all these pervasive online meetings. No one knows what floor you are on or what the significance is of the chair you're sitting in in an online meeting. And and I'm sure people can relate. All of us occupy the same amount of physical space usually just a little circle on a computer screen, right? At the office, we still pay an inordinate amount of attention to where you rank. But in an online meeting, all that really matters is whether you are connected, whether you are linked. So here's the point to this one. We can achieve much more if we see our employees as linked, as connected instead of ranked seems to me that it's not that important how much space you are allocated. What matters more is what you do with that space. And as you say, we should think of work as a network of digitally mediated relationships and interactions. It's not just a location, is it? Yeah, absolutely. And when we turn, we go past that turnstile into the office, 
we go into this location and we think that we have to fit into this very, very strict hierarchy. But in fact, that's the space that is allowing us a much more physical opportunity to connect. And the more we unlock abundance in human beings and we more allow people to contribute to where, towards where we, got, we go in an organization, the more we make people connected instead of ranked, the more we actually harness the, um, the capability of the crowd and the value of the crowd. And that makes an organization much more innovative, much more resilient, much more future fit, fit and it can grow. If you've just tuned in, it's 16 minutes to 12 o'clock and I'm in conversation with African futurist Dr. Rose Phillips. If you'd like to comment on the conversation, you're welcome to do so. 0214460567 or 0725671567. Rose, the third one of your blogs I think is one of my favorites. You've spoken about it previously. Tell our listeners about it. Yeah, so this one is also, Amy, about human potential. Because I've said I was going to talk about relationships, human potential, and well-being, but this one's also about human potential. And, and yes, around 2021, I started talking about this, also because it's a bit of a throwback to COVID. Um, and, and I encourage more and more people to take it to heart if they truly want to free their potential or free the potential of the people around them. And I call it unmute yourself. It's um, also a throwback to COVID, as I said, but it also latches onto the previous one that I spoke about, where I spoke about spaces for dignity and what you do with your space at work and what you do with your space in life. I mean, it bears thinking about. So there you go on this one. In my mind, the phrase of 2020 and, and of COVID in general, if I think about it, in the workplace had to be you are on mute. Our muting and our unmuting proficiency were sorely tested during this period of remote working, if everyone can remember. And many of us were found wanting, and we still do it though. We all good humoredly laugh through these embarrassing moments that are guaranteed to lighten the mood of the most serious online meeting. And I'm sure people still, still do it. I see it happen. It has happened to me only just a few days ago. And of course, when you do come off mute, you bring all those background noises with you that are in the house through integration of work and of life. But I quite frankly find very refreshing. It's the birds, it's the lawnmower, it's the, do- the dog, it's the boiling kettle, it's the children, it's granny. They all create the symphony, symphony of your life that's literally broadcasted through Wi-Fi. And it's a reminder to those on the line listening to you of the privilege to be invited into your home and into your life, a privilege usually afforded only a select few people, right? Only your friends and your family and the odd house guests. These are life sounds, and, and we've left them outside the office turned sounds. And the sounds that we left behind in the days when we still swiped our office taxis cards daily and we entered our workspaces. And I'm not quite sure that we were necessarily then better for it. But you are on mute has since become a metaphor, I think, for our work lives and even for our entire lives, our personal lives as well. We tiptoe when we should be stomping. We whisper when we should be shouting. We're silent when we should be speaking. We exist quietly when we should be living loudly. So for me, you are on mute is more than just a request to find the unmute button on your laptop or on your phone. It's a reminder. I'd say it's a clarion call to let your voice be heard. So go ahead and mute yourself. 
Unmute yourself and unmute yourself, Cape Talk listeners. Share your thoughts on this conversation. Oh seven two five six seven one five six seven. Rose, because we are under time pressure, I'm not going to waste any further time bantering. But let's move straight on to the next topic of well-being. Oh, you're very efficient, Amy. I think we might not even need a second show after this, but I think we can cover all of them. Um, but, you know, if people do want to leave us comments, it would be great fun on the show because I want to hear from people and understand what they think. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's cover the topic of well-being. Now, this one requires a little bit of thinking, so, so to listen carefully. And, and this one pays homage, actually, to my union colleagues who I had to negotiate with every year during my stint as the head of people and culture for a major bank. But it's actually all about well-being, but in a bit of a roundabout way. And, and I call it sincerely your vital organs. So remember, this is about well-being, and it's sincerely your vital organs, but organized as a union. So there's some deep things going on in this one. It's a little bit long, but here I go. Here I go. So imagine receiving a letter from your union. Right? They've all organized as your union. Now, my letter from my union, Rose Phillips' union, reads as follows. Under your leadership, we have been able to celebrate 54 years in business. I'm 54 years now. The ups outweighs the downs. Our balance sheet is strong. We believe we have been and continue to create immense future value and the share price, although under pressure, given global market conditions, remain largely resilient. Remember when we started in business, we were an unknown entity, rosephillips.co.za or rosephillips.p2i.limited. We have worked hard with the right support to build a very strong brand, or at least we think so anyway. Where we are in business as a business today is not out of luck. It has been on the basis of deliberate and sound choices. Some grievances yet, and some grievances yes, but no disciplinaries. A testament to leadership and the power of teamwork and collaboration. It must have filtered to you that our age requires more maintenance, though, with 54, more downtime. System changes are increasingly difficult to absorb. We're not blind to the digital disruptions touted about. We recently had a presentation on 3D printing. Revolutionary what you can now print to replace worn parts. But there's very little compensation for years of experience. Today, we find ourselves in unusual times, in uncertain times. We get that. Irrespective of what anyone says, though, we are essentials workers. We are in this together. So respectfully, some of your responses to date had been largely short-term. We recognize that you cannot necessarily see the work we do or understand the impact your management actions have on us. Just recently, input material choices that you've made while satisfying a short-term need have not been well thought through. They are empty calories. These choices will undoubtedly hurt us in the long term. We've also taken on additional staff. Their contribution to our sustainability remains questionable. They are unnecessary fat. What we need to do is remain lean and build the muscle we have. We cannot compromise on quality. We urge you to take our appeal seriously. We are a system. An injury to one is an injury to all. We are prepared for the hard work and sacrifices ahead. 
But as our CEO, you need to set the tone from the top. Please don't let us flatline. Yours in solidarity, your vital organs. I absolutely love this idea, Rose. I actually want to go home and write a similar letter myself. And I challenge all Cape Talk listeners to do the same and take stock of where they're at by carrying out this exercise. I think it's really, really brilliant. Um, My next question is, what was your response to the letter? Yes, and I I work on my response daily, Amy. I work on my response daily. So my response. Also a blog, um, a little bit of a roundabout way. And it's so amazing, right, that we've spoken about old person's grant because as we all get older, our vital organs are going to start speaking to us more and more. (laughs) Oh, they do daily. They do daily. (laughs) They do daily. And they organize as a union, and they are not happy with some of the choices that we are making. But anyway, so here's my response. I call this one. Bumblebee. So today I spend time with Bumblebee. I frequently neglect him, but he does not judge. He knows I'm busy. He also knows that inevitably I will come crawling back, that when the time is right, I will remember him. I've learned a lot from Bumblebee over the years. He's taught me that the finish line must be earned. Very profound, given that at 54, I'm firmly in the second half of my life, and the finish line is coming closer. Middle age does force us to reevaluate what we value, who and what is important in our lives. What was previously the, ne- the unnecessary is now the necessary. Time with friends, family, time with yourself, time with creativity, and even time for silence and solitude. Bumblebee also helps me realize that you do not get better at what you do not attempt. Sadly, to my shame, many times this admonishment has fallen on deaf ears. But not today. Today I am spinning. Bumblebee, my bright yellow exercise bike, is ready to help me flatten some curves. This finish line I am earning. (laughs) That is great. That's a wonderful response. And I hope that mine can be half as inspirational as yours, Rose. Um, We've only really got time for probably one more. So as we approach the end of today's show, let's take a quick look at relationships. Yes, let's do that. Um, And then we'll close. So we get to the end of the show. Let's talk about relationships. Now, this post is one of my favorites for people who follow my, my ramblings, from people who follow my ramblings on LinkedIn. So it's worth repeating. It's called friendship. And I could also say, given that the 14th of Feb is just around the corner behind us, it's called, free. It's called friendship. And um, I'm going to say that in honor. it's in honor of Valentine's Day that's just passed. So here goes. On Saturday, Lazy Me decided to rely entirely on GPS to direct me to my destination. But Control Freak Me had issues with the choices GPS was making. And so Make a U-Turn was a frequent response from GPO's voice. By the time I reached my destination, I was beyond frustrated, but there was nowhere to direct my complaint to. Because technology has no feeling. Technology has no vested interest in winning an argument. Talking to your GPS voice, talking to your technology is not a conversation. Poet David White says that a diminishing circle of friends is the first terrible diagnostic of a life in deep, deep trouble, of overwork, of too much emphasis in a professional identity. He goes on to say that the ultimate touchstone of friendship, it's not a professional identity, it's witness. 
the privilege of having been seen by someone, to have walked with them, and to have believed in them, and sometimes just to have accompanied them on a journey impossible to accomplish alone. And so with that, I switched off my car, turned off GPS voice, and went to have lunch with a very, very dear friend. Friendship certainly is so, so valuable. I'm blessed to have the most incredible incredible friends in my life and I could not navigate this journey without them that's for sure Dr. Rose you always leave us with a take-home message to carry us through the week what are your final words for us today yes right on time I'll I'll end with my last but I suppose the shortest blog taken from a children's book called We Need a Pool. Oh, one of my favorites. (laughs) No, is it also? uh, People say, I mean, you still read children's books. I'll read anything. I'll read toilet paper if I had something written on it. But you know, children's (laughs) books, you know, don't you agree? They're often so profound in their simplicity. Absolutely. Yeah. So so here's one of my favorite readings from We Need a Pool. What day is it? Asks Pool. It's today, squeaks Piglet. My favorite day, says Pooh. And so here's my interpretation. Today, here, now, is the only moment you are actually experiencing. Everything else is either a memory or it's a plan. So I ask everyone, all listeners, everyone that can hear me, please be present today or risk being absent from your life. Thank you. Wow, what a powerful message to take home with us today. Dr. Rose Phillips, as always, thank you so much for your time and insight today. We really appreciate it. And look for, I look forward to listening to you on with Clarence again in two weeks' time. Have a beautiful day. That's futurist Dr. Rose Phillips. And what a powerful message she ended her conversation with. Be present today or risk being absent from life.